Well, good morning. A little, little early, and God obviously is working, and it's amazing to be here this morning. My name is Emma Burrish, and I'll be reading this scripture this morning, starting with Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, and then John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, 14, 17, and 18. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And the reading of John. In the beginning of the word... In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. For the law was given Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God, to the near, is near to the Father's heart, who was, he has revealed God to us. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church, and um, I thank you for describing coming up and reading the scripture as getting here a little early, because the Lord was still working, amen? Um, and I uh, want to just continue on our journey of broken prayer, and I felt like last week, sometimes I get this feeling as a pastor in, in preaching, like there was more to learn from Lectio Divina, that part of the journey. And I am sort of doing part two, listening, I believe, to the Spirit, um, doing part two of last week's sermon. And so there will be some repeat to create a bridge or what I would describe as an overlay. And I've added a few more Bible verses for clarity. Now, um, so if you're hearing this message... I do urge you to go back and listen to the one before this. Again, this um, 
is part two. So let's jump right in. Our main passage comes from the book of Joshua. And as I explained last week, the namesake of the book, General Joshua, let's call him that, has taken over leadership of Israel after they've come out of slavery and traveled through the desert under the late great Moses. And now it's time to take the promised land with one caveat, right? There are people there, and there is terrain all in the way. Sometimes I read this, and it just doesn't sound right. You know, it's like a holy gentrification. But Israel, as we look at them, is anything but what I would describe as gentry, right? They are homeless. They have no homeland right now and no established geographical heritage. They have the psychological former slave mentality struggles. They are immigrants. They are seeking to cross the border as unknown and undocumented. They are one large, wandering, and lost tribe. How could this group dare, right, as we see in our Bible readings today, be strong and courageous? How could this group, as I've described them, go where God would have them go, while the rest of the world in every situation and circumstance were saying, no way? What kind of delusional reality had taken a hold of them to make them believe and act as if it were possible to take this promised land. But what about you? Right? Especially you believers. Why and what makes you believe that you could journey according and in spiritual and holy spaces with the Lord through this world? Because like Israel, like Joshua, your histories are pretty shaky. The more I get to know y'all, I am that much more impressed by Jesus, right? I know you came to Jesus and, you know, sometimes you came to Jesus because, you know, somebody got you on the beach with the track, if you were to die today, whatever. But then later in life, as you were drawn closer to Jesus as a believer, you realize you had to be with him because you have some serious cracks, right? some serious brokenness, so, so, so some serious struggles within and without. So where does the courage, the insight, the outside, the vision come from to pray, to wait, to trust the Lord when all else, as we saw a couple of sermons ago, is so muddy and cloudy? I learned during my sabbatical as a pastor trained, I would describe in the historically reformed orthodox tradition, that the words of the Bible had to be more than what a good seminary education could give me, right? More than the Hebrew and Greek, more than knowing the structure and content of the Bible, I rediscovered through the practice of Lectio Divina in particular, scriptural reading, meditation, and prayer, what made Joshua strong, courageous, and faithful in these moments. I kind of learned more what God had provided and offers for all of his people. Something for today's discussion I would call the third eye. Yeah, I got Dr. Strange's eye up there, just so y'all know. Like, what is that? That's from Marvel Comics, Dr. Strange. You know, it's his necklace, which is his third eye. Okay. I kind of like that kind of stuff. I had some real extreme ones, and Derek and Josh, Kelly, everybody was like, no, don't put that up there. 
I had some really weird looking stuff. But I was trying to be weird on purpose, but that's as weird as it gets right now. But I know we don't usually use this third eye term as historically reformed Orthodox Christians, but Hinduism and Eastern mysticism has so overtaken what I would describe as a meditation world. And with so many of y'all, I know, dipping and watching YouTube and reading all kinds of stuff into all kinds of spirituality and some of my own ethnic brothers and sisters from my own tribe getting into Egyptian or originated comedic spirituality, I thought this concept was the best to explain with prayer what the Word of God accomplishes. So that you could go deeper, right? Believe this. Deeper. Christianity, um, let me explain this real quick, is not about no, right? Everybody thinks, no, you can't do this. No, you can't. No, it's about going further, right? That's what it means. Don't don't, Don't stop at just what you can do. Go where God can take you. So this is about going deeper and more true in your spiritual prayer journeys beyond what any Eastern or modern spiritual enlightenment could take you. Beyond what your own little personal, sorry, I didn't mean to do that. That's so dismissive, right? Beyond what your own little personal meditation time can take you. I'm hearing a lot about that. What are you doing? I ain't going to church. I'm just meditating. On what? Right? That's cute, right? It took you, so so you know how to be quiet and take time. Let's go further. Let me say this because this is why you need to pay attention to this message. Anything else, right, meditative and all that kind of stuff will only get you to next to the heat, outside of the door. But what the God of the Bible offers takes you past the outer courts of spiritual experience. You think yoga and the meditation and all whatever meditation you're doing is good now. This is not just better. It is a betterment and best of anything you can be doing right now spiritually. What God's word calls and offers us is a Christian third eye. And I found this definition on Wikipedia, okay, just like y'all do. Man, if I had to write papers today, back in the day, you had to go to the library. Today, Wikipedia. I cross-referenced it. I read some other stuff, right? But I thought this definition was good. The third eye, also called the mind's eye or inner eye, is a mystical, esoteric concept of a speculative, invisible eye, right? Usually depicted as located on the forehead, right? You see little dots and little jewelry, which provides perception beyond ordinary sight, right? In Indian spiritual traditions, the third eye refers to a chakra. You've heard that word. The third eye is the gate that leads to the inner realms and spaces of higher consciousness. In spirituality, the third eye often symbols a state, remember this word, right? Because it's in your reading, believe it or not, of enlightenment. The third eye is often associated with religious visions and clairvoyance. People who are said to have the capacity to utilize their third eyes are often known as seers. The Bible, from beginning to end, calls people through grace, by faith, to become seers. To see the world from a higher consciousness and heart. How? Through the eyes of faith, y'all. 
through God's view of the world and in that to proceed to then live and walk seen and almost invisible to most pathway. In God's word to Joshua, it says this in verse 8, after calling him to lead to do some crazy journey into unknown lands, it says this, study this book of instruction continually. Here's this word, meditate on it day and night as you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Now hang with me now. The word for prosper means accomplishing and reaching the God-given goal. But successful is a little bit, bit more complicated of a term, especially for our, us Westerners. The word successful doesn't mean bank account, right? It doesn't mean belonging to the country club. It, it, it doesn't mean, you know, whatever, getting that job or that title, right? This word for successful actually means wisdom, understanding. It means to know. Get this. It means to see, to perceive. So success is being able to see, right? To see how and what God wants you to see. To proceed in the path and journey that the Lord has laid out for those who have been granted the faith to see. And the Lord tells Joshua, open your third eye. How? Study and pray and meditate in the word of God. To Lectio Divina. To, as I like this definition Dr. Peacock uses in her book, Soul Care and African American Practice. It means this, to be still, to read the word of God, Meditate on the passage, pray the passage, right? It actually means to sit in the spiritual fumes, the divine voice and presence of God himself with three results I want us to see today. First, to give us insight. Secondly, to give us proper outsight. And finally, what I am calling upsight. Insight, outside, upside, right? This message is for Joshua, and as a human being, he's not a superhero. He's not fantastic. He's not a mutant, impervious, or superlative in some out-of-this-world way. God has to call Joshua, a regular man, to be strong and courageous more than once, which means this is not something Joshua automatically, hear me, perceives or sees within himself. In fact, he must draw on and see and believe that because what and where God is leading him, it will challenge his sense of worth. It will challenge his calling at points. It will challenge whether God is with him. God's people are the undercard here. They have wandered in the desert for 40 years because they acted stupidly and ignorantly and disrespectfully towards God and each other. So what and why the study and meditation of God's word? So that they could gain insight, right? That prosperous success, right? That wisdom of self-knowledge, right? Not limited by what you and I or others call self-knowledge and can see and know not that, right? Let me tell you what happens when you do this other kind of meditation stuff. It always comes down, you know, the most important knowledge and highest knowledge is self-knowledge, right? You've heard that. But most of them, Almost all other forms of meditation and self-awareness, what, what do they do? They end up making you God. 
right? They end up putting you at the center. But this insight is about what God sees and what the Word of God pulls out and calls in your soul in the way God does that. In fact, a New Testament book, the one called the Hebrews, which is towards the end of the Bible, it says it this way. The Word of God is alive and powerful. It's spiritual. It's moving, y'all. It is sharper, it says, than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between what? Soul and spirit. Between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The Eastern mystic third eye has nothing on this. Because this is the divine. Y'all hear me? The omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God of the universe and any other multiverses y'all might have by his Holy Spirit through the word showing you yourself. Not just bad stuff, but even convincing you better of yourself than even you or I ever could. I can't make this stuff up, so I won't. In a New Testament book called 1 Corinthians, it says this. Now we see things, he's talking in and of ourselves, imperfectly. And it says this, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity as God brings us closer to himself. And then finally, when we see him face to face, right? All that I know, he says, is partial. This is the Apostle Paul. And incomplete. But then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. There's only one way to know yourself. Right? There's only one way to truly know yourself. Because if you do anything that makes you the center or makes you God or God is your co-pilot as if you can fly that divine plane with him, right? If, if you got that sticker, take it off your car. If you got that shirt, use it to clean up oil in the garage, whatever. There is no co-piloting if you truly see yourself as God sees you. Right? There is only one way to know what you need God to deliver you from and what to pray for and, the word, and what word to address and speak to you at a soul-touching level and for us to know what degree of grace and gifts you need from the Lord and to see how God wants to enjoy you and have you and us walk life out and then apply that rightly and honestly and sincerely in a broken world as a broken person. It is through his word and prayer. Actually, like the, like the Bible says, living and active, doing some work in here. God is showing us and giving us insight to live as the person and people God's scripture and prayer says and sees you are. Get this, more than what your weaknesses and brokenness may enslave and seek to define you as. More, the Bible says, than you could ever ask to think or ask and think. Weak Joshua and God's people could enter the promised land with strength and courage because they see and embody what the word of God and spirit allows them and now us to spiritually see about ourselves. You know, I have to start using reading glasses. And um, I have the reading glasses with the lights on it that you click on the side. 
Because, I, I mean, I, I not only have the weak eyes, like, I went to the doctor, and, you know, I did a little chart. She was like, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't need the, um, you don't need a prescription. But, Mr. Brown, your eyes may be a little weak. You need the reading glasses. That might help. But I got to put the reading glasses, and I get to put, have to put the light. You know what's interesting? I, would have, I am like two or three pills off from a real health risk or health crisis, right? Because sometimes one looks like two or even three. When I look on take this many pills this many hours, right? In normal light with just that 60-watt bulb, Y'all ever seen the back of the packages? I used to see the back of the packages. I can't. But imagine if I used my own eyes to prescribe for what I think I need without the lens and the light. I would harm myself. This is offering you the lens and the light that God has seen and prescribes about you. But this is not only insight, the ability to see inside, but also the ability, the grace, power for outsight, which is an actual word. I made it up and then I looked it up and it's a word. I'm pretty good. They should call me Howard Brown Miriam Dash Webster. Dash Wikipedia. You know? No? I majored in English at Clemson. No? In engineering school. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, our department was the one you went to when you couldn't get... Okay. Can't, can't make it engineering? Okay. Okay, but this is not only insight, the ability to see, right? This is outside, which is an actual word, and it means this. The power or act of perceiving external things. To see and then live in the world, outside world, through God-given sight. One of my favorite movies, I know it's y'all's too, at Christmas, as with many of you, is the new Christmas time classic, Elf. It's, it's terrible, because when it comes on, nobody can change the channel. It, it comes on, and we're like, family time, Right? You can't, you can't turn it off. And Buddy, for those of you who don't know, need to catch up with your Christian movies, is a human being who was raised as an elf in the North Pole. And Buddy's outside, y'all, what he perceives and sees in the New York world outside of the North Pole is comical. And thus is the major comedic tension point in the movie. And Buddy's style, like when the store manager tells Buddy that the department store area was the North Pole and Buddy is like, no it is, no it's not, right, no it's not, with a straight face, no it's not, in the, in the boss, yeah it is, no it's not, right, and you, and I love the way Will Ferrell, the way he acts, he really says, no it's not, he believes it, and then of course when a hired Santa comes, Probably the funniest part of the movie. The guy's like, I'm Santa. No, you're not. <laughs> right? I can see you're not Santa. You're not. I've seen him. He even says you smell like beef and cheese. 
Y'all need to know the Bible that well. (laughs) Buddies, no, you're not. You sit on a... You know, God's coming to, to Joshua's like, this is the promised land I'm giving you and promise. And Joshua could look back at his people and then all the fortified cities and giant people living there and entrench in that place and say, no, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Right? God is calling people to see, to accept and act in the unseen, impossible, and sometimes unacceptable to the natural mind and natural world. And that call to live by what we can call faith does not happen and will fail us and not become the success and prosperity that God promises and gives to Joshua and by extension his people unless your view of the world gets a third eye, a faithful outside, a faithful outlook, faithful forecasting, and then wise, faith-based wisdom, not the world's good ideas or carefulness, but a wisdom and outside that sees and then believes God's involvement and promises in and on and over everything. All right, I might get in trouble for this, but, you know, I've gotten in trouble for worse. No, I'm not going to get in trouble for this. I get excited at the cigar shop, right? Maybe for you it's the gym, good for you. (laughs) Or a golf course. Or park. When I see the men and the women sitting around in there, Whatever they're doing, drinking and smoking, watching the game. And you know what I see? The promised land. <laughs> yeah. Not that way, right? N- not, not promised land, wow, look all the cigars. No. But I see a room to be filled with conversations about life. Now, that might be my personality. And faith that leads to spiritual growth and change. And I see the Lord taking over, right? Y'all don't? Okay. And at least occupying an influential spot there, yes, through his powerful work and love through my and others' presence there. That's how you got the Charlotte Justice Conference. That's how you got heart math tutoring. Yes, that's how you got Christ Central Church. We looked out and nothing was there and we said, yes. And everybody said, what? And the world said, too much, too late, but the third eye, right? You and I can see the space. We can see the place. We can see the reconciliation. We can see relationships that God is building right there. Sometimes, okay, so sometimes people like me, visionary, vision folk, right? Sometimes it can be so strong, all right? I'm having and talking and having conversations in my head. Right? I'm sitting there when no one is sitting beside me like someone is there. And I leave feeling like I had almost an out-of-body experience, like I had really been there. Right? <laughs> okay, I know I'm crazy. But sometimes that happens, not all the time. Right? Ask Kelly. I'll come back. Let me tell you what happened. Blah, 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 blah. And we can start something over there. And I should go over there every week. And blah, blah, blah. And Kelly's like, okay. Yes, baby. But the trash is overflowing. Right? Right, just but you see it, but the word with prayer, meditation around it, it gives and grows and accentuates and it fine-tunes the third eye to view and experience things through a God-given lens. Look at your neighborhood again. 
especially tonight. Right? Y'all either need to be out there picking up some candy and being the one who takes too long getting their candy because you're talking. Right? Or you need to be out front with that fire pit like some people in our neighborhood. We're going to try to do that tonight. Put the fire pit out there and sit around like the other people do, the other suburbanites. Okay. You know, you, you should, you know, I ain't got my candy yet. Go get your candy, man. Not candy man, but go get your candy. <laughs> Comma, man. Haven't seen it yet, the, the new one. Right, but look at your neighborhood tonight. Right? See, do you see it through the eyes and lens of the Lord? Right? Do you see? What about your communities? Right? Look at your friends again. Look at your intimate relationships. Right? Whether you suppose we having them or not having them, look again. Look at your nation. Look at your spouse again. Look at your present and former marriages, some of us. Right? Look at your kids. Look at your health report. Look at your histories. Look at your struggles. Look at your enemies. Your and others' obstacles. The anything, everything, and everyone. And next week, this will be incredibly important as we explore Visio Divina. But do and can you see that God says and declares biblical strength and courage and prosperity and success over it? God is offering us a strength, courage, prosperity, and success that grows and gives sight through praying and studying and meditating and reading of his word. We call that a worldview. What lens do you have? God's given it to you. Which brings us to the final and greatest and most significant piece of this third eye. The upside. Look at verse 5 and 9. We read these last week. No one will be able to stand against you as long as I live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So as you look inside, and as you look outside, and trust me, I don't always like to look outside. I talked about some, I would say, easier situations, trick-or-treating, coffee shop, cigar shop, golf place, wherever y'all go, right? But even turning on the TV and looking at the news, Do you see God working there? I can say I'm not sure. <laughs> I look at the crisis at the border, I'm like, uh-uh, that ain't going to get fixed. I look at the gun thing, laws and freedoms and the amendments, I'm like, that, that ain't going to, I look at the politics, I, I, I just, I don't see. Look, I look at the church. And I don't see all the time. I need that lens. Right? Sometimes I look at Christ Central and I'm like, "Mm, I'm not sure. Right? But this is something. It's tempered by this. I hope you see it. The third power component to Lectio Divina is perceiving 
the presence and power of God himself. Through the word, as we meditate and wait on him and, and us to connect, sometimes this takes more than one sitting. Let me explain something to you. And, and I was talking to somebody about this this week when I was meeting with them. And the person I was meeting with is an incredible prayer warrior. I learned so much from her. Okay, so just listen for a minute. Sometimes, when I talk about prayer and reading the scripture, I know you think you're going to just get this, jump in there, and then something, some nirvana is going to happen. A couple of things. It takes time. Right? Why? Because God's mean? No, because you're not ready. Right? Like, it, I, I really believe that if you experience some of that, it may, how do they say it, rock your world. Like, it might shake you. Right? So God is actually alive, and he knows what he's doing if you're a believer, and he's taking you at, you, at the pace he wants for you. Do you believe in him more than yourself? He's taking you at your pace. I had to learn that because I would sit down and do prayer. I'm like, ain't nothing happened. I punt this thing. I'm wow. I'm a little emotional. I was tearing stuff up. I was mad. I'd be leaving the room trying to do the worst thing I can do just because I was mad. Right? I'm going to go watch Candyman. Sorry. Forget this. Go watch something easy. But here's the deal. Another thing I want you to realize, um, and I know I've been a little bit more instructive through these series, but I don't care. This is what God told me to do for y'all. So here's the deal. It will not feel, God's presence won't necessarily feel like an emotion you have experienced before. I know what we're looking for. And maybe we think it'll feel like it feels after that third glass of whatever, kind of like a buzz after y'all smoke something, like a blood buzz. Maybe you think it'll feel like you felt when you fell in love with that person or some type of substance or, or sexual experience, some, you know, some, it's, it's beyond just our emotions. You're having a spiritual experience with the Lord. What does that feel like? It's greater than emotions, no less, right? So I want you to wait and begin to learn what it feels to experience God's presence, right? Because, hey, look, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for that feeling, you know, when I saw Kelly for the first time, that feeling. You know, like, oh, melting, right? Maybe, and I think it's more than that. And God wants you to experience more. Now, that was free right there, but, but here's the deal. What we're looking for is eventually not just experience some kind of self-centered, good-feeling enlightenment. That's what all the rest of the meditation stuff takes you. But the rare experience and feel of being god centered in right worship and relationship and that's the difference the prayer's journey and is not just emotional ecstasy not rugged self-discipline and rigid right self-righteousness i'm doing it and i'm having a prayer time no if you having that and that's the result something wrong 
right? It's freeing. It's not monastic piety. It's just me and Jesus. We used to have this thing called jam, Jesus and me. Great, but that's not all. But something greater, experiencing what the Bible calls the logos. The word, the promise, the law and truth becoming flesh. God told Joshua, I will be with you wherever you go. Meant that God was not about just being out there, but in our emotional, physical, and spiritual space, taking up residence there. John's gospel, describing the historical and spiritual ministry of Jesus Christ while on earth, put it this way, and you have the scripture. In the beginning, the word, which is the word logos, already existed. The word was with God, and the word was, word was what was God. I don't have time to explain John all the way, y'all. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through what? Not it, through him, okay? And nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. There's enlightenment. The light shines where? In the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So you talk about inside and outside, the darkness of your heart, the darkness of the world, is in a person who came and takes up residence in our heart and in our lives. So it says in verse 17, for the law was given through Moses. Remember, he said, Joshua, look at my law. But God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. Here comes upside. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has what? Reveal God to us. What is the Lord offering through word and prayer is upside. To do the word, combined with prayer and meditation, seeing and experiencing God himself, God's voice itself, knowing what God is revealing about himself in such a way that you will be able to see your world and life and heart with him at the center, controlling it and loving it and moving it, being faithful and truthful and honest, though, it rega- though through it, regardless of what is actually happening in the circumstances or, or personal limitations or, or sin struggles or, or, or personal hangups or oppression or your past or even your unknown future. You know, that is the Logos, the Word of God becoming flesh, worldly and personally affecting and involved in our spiritual life. Then we will grow to see ourselves in this world with strength and courage and success because we will see and approach it as those who are secured by God living and loving in us, and God securing and holding us because he loves us. Do you see that? The Bible is teaching. It's not primarily, the third eye is not primarily about you being able to see and keep up with the Lord. But according to these two passages, you know what it's saying? Can you see the Lord seeing and keeping his eyes and heart on you? Do you see that? Do you know that? When you go into prayer, do you perceive and feel and live on that? Or do you only see yourself trying to find God? Or do you have the spiritual sight and perception and spiritual ability 
to actually feel and see and perceive God seeing you. You know, that's true as you read and pray that the third eye is real. In, in some traditions, they represent it as a mark or symbol on your brow, the forehead, a diamond, a piercing. But John's gospel tells us that the promise of our third eye is not symbolized. It has been actualized in a person called Jesus. That he came as the embodiment of the word of God. So that in him, as John's scripture says, the light, enlightenment to see within, without, and see the Lord is in him. I grew up in a musical family. So at very young ages, I started playing the violin at age five. We were performing in front of crowds or at programs at church, solos and in groups. And having begun, you know, I, I, and I, I often found myself in front playing with my father. He was on the piano. My mom didn't play anything. She was an audience. I remember her. And the one eye, she was the one eye I would seek to catch. And she would wink. She did a wink with a smile. And those eyes would empower and strengthen and give me courage. Because her eyes said the performance and environment at InnoNervousness was not the most important and powerful thing in the room. When I caught my mom's eye, I could see that it was her love. Her being with and at the end, catching me and holding me. I know them eyes. If I messed up or made a mistake, those eyes said, I'm going to be here when it's done. And I'm going to love you. Through Jesus. We catch the loving glance and eye of God that communicates. Like he told Joshua, wherever you go, I will be with you. I will never leave or forsake you. When we engage in Lectio Divina, we engage in the watchful presence of God. And that is our third eye. Let me close with this script, this song. We, you know, we have this song, And Can It Be, and we put some cool new music to it 18 years ago. <laughs> and it has these old school verses that John Wesley wrote. And it says this, and maybe you can understand it now. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, this And Can It Be, this is like verse 4 or something. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Hear this. Thine, God, thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. His eyes, seeing you, diffuses a quickening, moving, changing ray. And it changes everything. If you don't know Christ, you don't know the eye of God watching you. Come today. Come out of that 
self-centered, you are God meditation crap. And move on. You know, I'd like to tell people, keep going. And I'm going to give you an opportunity like to, to keep going in Christ. He is the Logos that your emptiness is searching for. And you believers, you've given up. So many of us, his eye has diffused a quickening ray. Something that gets you motivated. Come back. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, call us to your word again. Call us to your spirit again. And Lord, as you call us, let us see your redeeming eyes looking upon your child. And then we'll have the strength and the courage to actually look deep within ourselves. Then we'll have the strength and courage to actually look at the world with faith. Lord, I pray for the busyness of life that stops us from reading, meditating, and spending time with you, listening to your voice, looking at your eyes, looking at us, feeling your eyes on us. Lord, I do pray for those who don't know you, but Lord, uh uh-oh, they at least from the outside looking in see a need for the eyes of God. Break through, Lord. Break their chains. Send the light. Set us free. Lord, for those of us who have grown weary, we thought it was going to be this kind of experience, and every time it ain't that kind of experience. I do pray that we would be able to perceive what a spiritual connection with you is and what it's like and what sometimes what it's not. Take us beyond the emotional wall through it, of course, using it for your purposes. But Lord, take us higher. Just like you're looking at us, the world wants a redeeming eye seeing them. Help us to see our world today. Lord, as we look at our marriages, as we look at those of us who are single again, as we look at the life going forward, help us to see with eyes of faith, hope and love and strength and courage and promise. Lord, I do pray real quick that you would please be with our kids. And people tonight, speaking of eyes, watch over our kids out there in costumes, too big, tripping up, moving around, can't see through the holes, all that stuff, Lord. Running, not, they don't see the car. I pray that the car see them. Keep us safe tonight. But keep us aware of those around us as well. This we ask and pray in Jesus' name.